Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports. This is the NFL Show, Episode 11. My name's Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Tonight, we've got Alex, we've got Beck, and we've got Stacey. Guys, let's get straight into it. Off the top, uh, the question I've got for you this evening is, who is your favorite college football team and why? Alex, going to start with you. I know this one, but let's share this one with the listeners. I think everybody knows this one. Maybe the listeners know, but... Everyone that knows me knows this one, but I'm a huge Ohio State fan. Um, love them, love the Buckeyes, and I think they've got a great football program as well. Just they're just a great sports program in general. Yeah, no, it's um, you know, as much as we cover our NFL here, we we definitely keep a very close eye on the college game because you know that's our future stars. We are draft obsessed. Um, yeah, look, it's uh, yeah, we we definitely can see your fandom um, in and around social media. Uh, look, for me, I, I'm a, I'm Alabama, um, and as I've as I've said to people, I'm a long suffering sports fan in all other sports. So when I when I ran into uh, American football, NFL, college football. I wanted to support a team that was winning. So back then in the early 2000s, uh, that was Alabama. That was the New England Patriots. So that's my duo. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's working out for me quite well with young Bryce Young, uh, who looks to be quite a special young dual threat quarterback. Um, Beck, what about yourself? You know, you've, you've sort of had a bit of a think about, you know, you know college football and some of the different teams that are out, that, that are out there. Uh, yeah, for me, I haven't really been a massive follower of college football. I don't have, like, that one specific team that – I watch every week or follow along with. I kind of like to watch a bit of everything here and there. Um, but a standout for me is Michigan just because it's a rivalry <laughs> of Barkers and, you know, it's good to have a little friendly rivalry with each other. So, yeah, Michigan State all the way. I love True that. Ohio State fans can't say what you just said. We say <laughs> the team up north. So You don't even call them by their name. You can't even say the name because it's just it's too much. The so, rivalry is that deep and that win. strong. Team up north. Thank you very much. And I St- think I picked right then. And Stacey, what about you? Your your college team? Yeah, I'm a I'm a USC fan. Um, mainly because one of the very first, like you know, hear those football stories that just have a great backstory. And uh, the ESPN 30 for 30 on the Trojan War and Pete Carroll's, you know, dealing with all the controversies, the Reggie Bush situation with his scholarship and. Um, and it just all culminated in the end of the 2006 Rose Bowl when they lost to the Longhorns. And it was just this captivating, like, piece of film that, you know, just made me love college football even more because of the emotion attached to it. And, uh, you know, went to the US, uh, went to USC when we were over there, visited the Coliseum. It's such an amazing place. So, yeah, USC all the way. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our first segment tonight, which is the huddle. And for our new listeners, the huddle is where we feature a particular team and we deep dive into them. And this week we have chosen, well, last year's Super Bowl winners. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, they're fond memories of the Patriots. Uh, you know, back then when things were 
a little bit easier. And, uh, you know, continuing on with that theme is uh, our Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who will be the feature of the huddle tonight. And, uh, Alex, let's just jump straight into it. Things have changed down there in Florida with the arrival of one Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Yeah, I feel like Tampa's now the team to hate, right? So it's like everybody has that team that everybody just hates, and it's fun to hate them. And it always seems to be where Brady goes. So maybe. Brady's a problem here. I think everyone just loves to hate Brady, but I mean, he's successful. He's the GOAT. You know, he wouldn't have the amount of Super Bowls that he has if he didn't, you know, if he couldn't produce the passes or the touchdowns or be around um, those types of programs. I think what's really cool about Tom Brady is that nobody else is going to bring Gronk out of retirement, but also who turns around and goes, I'm going to go to like a struggling franchise, if you will, before Brady. Good, but not great. He comes along and all of a sudden the first year that he wins the Super Bowl. Like, who does that? It, it, it is. It's, it's incredible. And, Stacey, one of the things that we've spoken a lot about is, you know, obviously Brady comes in and he changed the culture. But, you know, we're, we're seeing it in Tampa Bay, not just the fact they went on and won the Super Bowl, but some of the some of the finer things. And you've, you've got to pay, pay, pay close attention to this. And for me, it's, you know, obviously they're a loaded offense. And, you know, we, we see other franchises where if the lead receiver – doesn't get his touches, you know, he is, he is kicking stones, he is, you know, he's performing on social media, he's unfollowing his team um, on social media, things get quite dramatic where, you know, Tom Brady, I think one of the, one of the things that's most impressive is the way in which he's able to, you know, sort of, you know, be, be honest with his offense and say, look, you know, this week we may need you to have one or two touches and you're just going to have to accept that. He, he definitely has a way in which he can, you know, influence the locker room. For sure. And I think that, you know, Bruce Arians has really sort of left Tom Brady to run the offense and you know you, you could see it in the game against the Cowboys you know it's that meme where Tom Brady's sitting on the bench and he's looking down at his head almost in his hand and you just know that something big's about to happen um, you know he's just that kind of guy and he sort of rallies the rest of his team behind him but again to Alex's point like who else could bring Gronk out of retirement get Antonio Brown and build this you know this franchise from you know people that he's guys that he's played with in the past that just he loves to play with yeah I think it comes down to the respect that they have for him right being the greatest of all time and being the person that he is I don't think he's actually that bad of a person outside of football as well like for these type of people to come around him and want to play with him and play for him he has to be a nice guy right I I think he's a nice guy but also you got to look at that receiving core that he has behind him right as we mentioned Antonio Brown Rob Gronkowski, Chris Goodwin, Mike Evans, like those players are putting up numbers week in and week out. But I mean, not all of them, right? Because with a with a receiving core like that, somebody is going to go quiet one week. But it, it doesn't seem to matter, right? It doesn't matter who kind of Brady throws to. He knows that that player is going to make that catch. And there's just like that trust. In fact, I think you've said it and we've said it in like talking, especially when he's playing with Gronk. It just looks like backyard football. And that's exactly what you love. You know, it's that it's that you don't even have to think about it kind of chemistry that just makes Gronk and Brady so iconic and will go down in history as one of the best tight end quarterback partnerships of all time. The Bucs are lucky enough, though, to have not just like a number one receiver, but they have like three number one receivers. So like you said, it doesn't matter who's on the field, where they are, whether they're having a good game or a bad game. There's always going to be someone for Brady to throw to. I guess the downfall of that, right, when you have such a good receiving core, we kind of see it in games 
where the Bucks tend to neglect that run game because they just don't, he just don't have the runners, but at the end of the day, they don't really need to. I mean, they were fourth in run attempts last year, fourth, right? When they're like first and everything else, they just don't need to run the ball. They don't have to run the ball because Brady's just going to throw it either way and someone's going to make a catch, but that's got to be frustrating as a running back to feel like your role, what you're paid for, what your job is just gets neglected because you've got one of the best quarterbacks and probably one of the best wide receiver cores in the league. Definitely. Definitely. And you've got to feel for Leonard Fournette. I mean, you know, he was part of that initial, you know, franchise building pickups that Tom Brady decided that he wanted in the backfield, but, you know, he had so much hype coming into his uh, NFL career coming from his, uh, where did he go to, where did he, where did he go? LSU. LSU. Yeah. Yeah. From LSU, right? And he was hype. He was big on the hype and he just hasn't produced that much, but which makes him a good fit for the Bucks because they don't really need to run the ball. No, it's uh, it's it's a very interesting culture there in Tampa Bay. And, you know, like we've spoken about, you know, after week one where Mike Evans goes for 24 yards and the fact that he's okay with that, you know, he'll, he'll just turn up to work on Monday with a smile on his face. Uh, you know, that's just, it's an incredible culture they're building there. There can and another um, particular player that's interesting, um, you know, when when we talk about the Bucks is Antonio Brown. So obviously, um, certainly not condoning any of his behaviour off the field. I think that's been well documented. But you know, strictly talking about his performances, I guess we'd all and and quite rightly so given up on him as as a player. But he's really started the season uh, in, in in great shape. And yeah, I, I guess what's your thoughts on on his projections uh, coming into this season? I was actually shocked after week one to see the number of targets that he received and the yards that he had at the end of the game. I was not expecting that out of him at all. I was expecting that from Mike Evans and it didn't go that way. It went to him instead. So, I mean, he's a veteran. He's got experience in the game. Like he wasn't a bad player in his early years. He was a great wide receiver coming out of college and in his first few years of the league. And then he had kind of this up and down stuff outside of football and then jumping from team to team. I think we kind of just all pushed him to the side and thought he was done. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's, it's an incredible comeback and just makes you wonder, you know, how, how you know, wh- where's his ceiling? You know, where can he get to this year? All right, guys, well, let's have a quick look at the defensive side of the ball uh, now as we look to round out the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Alex, going to start with you. Pl- plenty of youth on this football team, but what's your thoughts and what's your expectations of the defensive side of the ball for Tampa? Yeah, youth, a lot of youth on their defense. However, their front seven were first in yards per carry and first in yards per game. So that is a solid front seven as far as their defense goes. However, their secondary on their pass defense, nine, 94.3 in rate, 18th in the league, 20. 246.6 yards per game, and that's 21st. So if we're looking to try and pick apart what's probably most considered to be a perfect team, it's got to be that secondary. But where that where they where they lapse in that secondary, I think, as far as those youngsters, um, I think down the road it's going to be good for them. If they can keep bringing back these players like they did last year, they're just going to gain that experience, and they're just going to get better and better and better. But I think – there's growing pains as far as that goes because they're, most of them are only in kind of their second season with the Bucs. But, too, I think we also need to consider, you know, the special teams. Uh, you know, special teams won the game against the Cowboys. You know, it was just, uh, you know, suck up. They finally got themselves a kicker. 
special teams has been an issue for them for the last couple of years and special teams doesn't get half as much attention as it should. It's the third phase of the game and it can win ball games. So, I mean, they've done a good job by picking up a good kicker finally. Yeah, no, it's a good point because there's certain franchises in the competition that, you know, have been able to get it right for years and it's definitely, it can definitely cost you, uh, you know, multiple games. All right, guys, well, let's have a look at our predictions now for this season. So obviously we know that the Bucks came off a, a Super Bowl title last year. Uh, Alex, I'm going to start with you. What's your predictions this year? Um, I could see them going 15-2. and two. I think against a secondary like the Broncos and the secondary like the Browns, I think they will struggle and they don't really have a run game. <laughs> uh, Beck? Um, yeah, I'm predicting they go 13-4. and four. If you look at their schedule coming up, they are coming up against a lot of young quarterbacks in this league. They, they have Mac Jones, they have Tua, they have Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, like Zach Wilson. These are all quarterbacks that they're coming up in you know, in the next, I think their defense is just going to um, win them those games. And then the other games, I think, you know, Tom Brady's just going to do what he does with his offense. So 13 and four, I'm going with. Yeah, nice. Look, I think me and Alex are working off the same sheet. I had 15 and two down as well, uh, just because, look, this is a special group. But I, I think what impresses me most about the Bucks is that Tom Brady does not let them, I, I guess, get complacent. You know, he just gets so angry over the minor details. So when the slightest thing doesn't go his way, He's on the sideline, he's yelling, he's cursing, he's swearing, and that's that, they're the things that we see um, on, on sort of television, you know, all the things that happen behind the scenes in the locker room. I, I think, you know, Brady will whip them in the shape. So for me, I think they're going to win uh, win the conference um, quite easily, 15-2 uh, and two record. Stacey, what about yourself? Yeah, look, I kind of have to go with you guys. Um, Would you go 15-2? and two. I'm going to go with 14-3, and three, mainly because Tom Brady always gives up an easy one. At some point, it always happens. Um, you know, you can't sustain that level of awesomeness for an entire season. There's always one Alex is holding up her bear shirt right about now. I don't think so. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into our next segment now, the match. And each week in the match, we, we pair two players uh, as they go head-to-head, one-on-one. And this week, we have some pretty special cornerbacks that we'll be looking into. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and this week we're looking at two of the best uh, up-and-coming uh, cornerbacks in the NFL. Tredavious White uh, for the Buffalo Bills coming up against Denzel Ward in, in, uh, from the Cleveland Browns. Stace, going to start with you. Talk to us a little bit about Tredavious White because, you know, coming into his fifth season in the NFL now, but you know, he's certainly one of the more dominant players in the game. Definitely. And, you know, we've spoken before about the Bills secondary and they're one of the better groups in the NFL over the past couple of seasons. And he's played a massive part in that. Um, you know, the thing with being a de- being a cornerback is aside from the quarterback, they're like the smartest person, person on the field, right? They have to read the broad overview of the entire play and the concept. They have to read the receiver. They have to diagnose what route they're coming up against. And unfortunately, what tends to happen when you're a good defensive back is you don't get thrown to. So the example is, you know, Jalen Ramsey, right, in the Rams. He wasn't getting thrown to because he was just so good. Um, so the Rams have moved him down and allowed him to play hard against the run and in the flat. And the same can be said about Tredavious White, right? He, he's just so good, racked up a, uh, you know, a crazy number of interceptions last season. Uh, so eventually he's not going to get thrown to. So he's got to find another way to elevate his game, whether that be 
playing more aggressive on the uh, on the run, um, which I don't think he has a problem with. But you know, he's also really solid in that man coverage. Yeah, no, he, he's he's some player. And Alex, I think what's most impressive too is you know he, he's in a team in Buffalo that I, I guess is known for their defensive football. You know, they have some absolute stars in there. The fact that he's standing out within that group just makes it even more impressive. It sure does. I mean, the Bills are kind of top 10 defense-wise rankings in the NFL. And, you know, when you look at reports and you're watching games, you can talk, they always mention Tredavious White. You know, when you talk, when you look at the stats, he's kind of that leader on that defensive side, you know, but he's also that player where he is consistent. Like he will consistently get you that tackle. He will consistently make it hard for quarterbacks. And I think as a receiver, that is a player you don't want to be facing up against man-to-man. For a cornerback to have, you know, an average of 50 to 60 tackles in a season, that's showing his ability to get to the ball where it is, make the tackle and help his team out. Like not many cornerbacks have that many tackles in a season. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he's just productive. You know, he's able to take the ball away and, you know, you, you just you forget about how important that is within a game. You know, things can just turn, you know, within one play. And Tredavious White, he is definitely a game changer. And, you know, he, he's been part of this new, um, you know, th- this new culture uh, there, you know, in, in the AFC East where, you know, the New England Patriots, they've dominated that division for quite some time. Well, you know, it's Buffalo's division now. And, you know, they had a little bit of a shaky start in week one. But, you know, through this defense that... Uh, uh, you know, that Sean McDermott has been able to build, you know, that they're a serious football team. And uh, yeah, definitely agree with you, Alex. He's definitely a leader there. All right, guys, well, let's have a look at his competitor tonight and equally another very special player in Denzel Ward who plays for the Cleveland Browns. Alex, going to start with you because one of the things that stands out was his draft position. You know, you, you, this guy was drafted fourth overall in 2018. You know, that, that, that stands out in itself. You know, obviously he's a very special player uh, there in the cornerback position, but, you know, you have to be some player to be drafted that high. Oh, yeah. And we got to mention, since we've already talked about college teams, that uh, Denzel Ward came from Ohio State. And one of probably best offenses and defenses in the Big Ten in 2018. That's my personal opinion. Some may say it's biased, but, you know, we'll move on. But, yeah, I mean, he's a great cornerback. But he just reads the ball and the players so well. Like, his ability to kind of just quickly glance back and find that that ball or receiver is just next to none as far as that, that, that position is involved. He's so sticky in man coverage um, and he's so aggressive against the run. And what's so good about him is one, his football IQ is off the charts. Um, But two, he doesn't actually, he doesn't need any help over the top from a safety. So whenever he is thrown to, it's highly contested every single time. And he doesn't get caught out of position too often. I love him. He's so electric. I think that shows in his stats too. Like he allows like, just over half of the balls that are past the receivers to be completed. Like that is insane to have that awareness and to be able to defend those types of passes. Like it's just, I mean, that's a stat to be proud of. But also the the catches that are caught, they are so lucky. Like they're never wide open, easy, catch it on the numbers, turn and run. They're like, you know, toe tap over the sideline. They're deflected. They're, you know, he's up in the business. 
Yeah, and Becca, I think, you know, one of the things about Denzel Ward is, you know, he's a player that will be getting spoken about a lot when you're preparing to come up against the Browns. You know, he's a player that, to Stacey's point, to Alex's point, you're trying to avoid. And, and you know, that, I, I guess that that's what makes a special player is if the opposition coach is spending a lot of time on your film and, and, and trying to avoid, um, you know, sort of targeting you because you know you're going to shut it down. I mean, that you know, that, that's a credit to Denzel. Yeah, you know you're a good player when you're not getting targeted, right? When the no, you're on the number one receiver and the number one receiver has terrible stats. You've had a great day as a cornerback. Well, he is ranked seventh with Greedy Williams as far as that cornerback duo go. So to be able to have that for the Browns and have that duo where, you know, if if Ward isn't necessarily kind of stepping up, then Williams is. And I think from a receiving standpoint, to have a duo like that, I wouldn't be passing the ball against the Browns. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely a special group. All right, guys, well, in the match, there's no sitting on the fence. We've got to pick our winner. Uh, Beck, we're going to start with you. Who have you got in this one, Tredavious White or Denzel Ward? This is a hard one because I feel like they're such similar players and they were only drafted one year apart and have such similar stats. But I just think Tredavious White um, stands out just a little bit more for me. A stat that I um, come across is 2019, he led in zero touchdowns and he's the leader of that defense over there at the Bills. So he's my pick. Alex? You know, like we do in all matchups when it involves the high State boys, I got to go with my high State fellas. So for me, it's got to be Denzel Ward. And Stacey? Yeah, I'm going to go with Alex, not because of the Ohio connection, though, but just the way, the way you plays. Uh, you know, I, I myself kind of looked up to him when he first popped into the scene, and I was like, damn, I want to be like that guy. Um, so, yeah, he's my favorite. Yeah, and look, for me, I'm going to go with Tredavious White, only because he plays in the division of my team, the Patriots. So I get to see a lot of him, unfortunately, and I just fear for young Mac Jones coming into his first year as quarterback, coming up against you know, a veteran like Tredavious White, I just don't think that's a great combination. So um, definitely, definitely respect his game. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our final segment of the night, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, we're going to change up the question a little bit because I guess in sport, we're always looking for that younger player, the emerging, the rookie, the next big shiny toy that's coming through. But what about the veteran players? So the question this week I have for you is which veteran player is still the best in the game? Uh, Beck, we're going to start with you. Yeah, I feel like everyone wants to go with your typical quarterback, standout player, leader of the team. Um, but for me, I think Aaron Donald um, is has to be the best in the game at the moment at defensive um, at the D line. It's his eighth year in the league. Um, you know, he's a seven. He's made the Pro Bowl every single year he's played. He won Rookie of the Year. He's been named Defensive Player three times since he's been playing, and two of those were back to back seasons. Um, he's just a freak like he's the size of him he's 280 pounds lean like he's got abs and he's playing in the interior that's a tough job to play and to get the stats that he does as well as being double teamed like you know 70 percent of the time he's double teamed and he's still getting into the backfield and disrupting the play and getting you know to the quarterback so yeah I think he's unmatched in his skill no he, he's a he's a very special player and, and I wonder whether the Rams went out and did their big explosive trade 
for, you know, uh, someone like Donald, you know, because they've got such a generational talent on the defensive side that it's kind of getting wasted, right? Like you need to try and win a Super Bowl, um, you know, for Aaron Donald. And I think McVay sort of spoken about that previously. So, no, it's, um, it's, it's definitely a good shout. He terrifies a lot of people there in the NFL. Uh, look, for me, I've got to slide in uh, one Tom Brady. I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an obvious choice, but, you know, and I, and I think people are a little bit fatigued of Brady, but, you know, the guy's in his 40s. I mean, I just it just defies belief what he's done. We've spoken a fair bit about it, but um, honestly, watching his tape this season, I, I cannot see any difference between him now to 10 years ago. In fact, under that Florida sunshine, he's got the bit of a tan going. He, his arm actually looks stronger. So, look, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, and who's to say he can't go out there and win another Super Bowl? Uh, and a remarkable, remarkable talent. Uh, Stacey, what about yourself? Who's sort of a, a veteran that's caught your eye in the NFL? Yeah, look, I'm going to have to go with Ben Roethlisberger as well, um, just at that QB position. But I find it fascinating that the average career of the NFL player is about 3.3 years, right? And that varies from position to position. Obviously, quarterbacks have that protection and that O-line, but that O-line and D-line go 100% every single time, which results in a lot of broken down bodies. Plus, you've got your running backs who are running full pelt into a brick wall often. Um, So I actually have to give a shout-out to 39-year-old Andrew Whitworth, from the Rams at that left tackle position, as we know, one of the most important positions on the O-line and to be able to still produce at such a high level at 39 in that like head on collision kind of role is still amazing. Yeah, no, he's definitely a special veteran and, you know, he's appeared on, on many, many series of hard knocks. And I think that's where you sort of, you know, get a bit of a sense of his personality there, but now he's got the graying beard happening now. And, uh, you know, he's sort of, sort of, you know, mentoring, you know, some of the younger players around him, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, it's incredible. The fact that he's still competing at such a high level. Um, Alex, round us out. Who's a veteran player that has stood out for you? For me, it's gotta be Kyle Long and not just because he was a bears player. I mean, you know, that is a big part to it. I was devastated when he came back in retirement, went to the Chiefs. I wanted the Bears to pick him back up because I just thought that would be awesome. They didn't. That's fine. But he's a three-time Pro Bowler. I mean, he's the first Bears player since Brian Urlacher in, from 2002 to be named to a Pro Bowl in his first three seasons. And, like, the like, he's in pretty good Bears company because – Erlacher did it, Long did it, Buckus did it, Mike Dicka did it. Like, that is some, some class to be in. But he was also the player that, in kind of the 2013, 2014, he was leading the way or leading that block for Matt Forde to get over 1,000 rushing yards. And in 2016 and 2017, it was Jordan Howard. So he is a guard to be on that line. No, it's a good choice. And, Alex, talk to us a little bit about what those family – dinners would kind of look like because you know you you, you talk about the Mannings and, and these football families um you know like Kyle obviously his dad Howie and you know his brothers had his success as well but you know that that's got to be something that that's quite unique you know you you, you rock up for uh, for Thanksgiving and uh you know you, you're surrounded by you know some some great players within the family yeah it's got to be I think there's like a double-edged sword twist sometimes right especially when your dad kind of played you look at the Mannings um you know, that's, you're kind of always living up to that expectation and the media always has that expectation of you, but I think it'd be super fun. You know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall at kind of Sunday dinner in like the long house or the Manning house or because like their dad got to play with some insane players that we, I'm sure as a panel would just love to still be able to watch to this day. 
but we can't, but, you know, to be able to have those stories and those games and see how the games kind of evolved as it's moved on through the years, I, to be a fly on the wall on those types of families would just be so cool. But also, unless it's like rivalry day and you're playing each other, then I probably would just stay at home. No, it's uh, it's something a little bit different. And just to round us off, so Kyle, you know, he's, he's 32, so so he's, he's still got a little bit of football. In. What's your predictions here? How long do you see him sort of sticking around in the NFL? I mean, I don't know. He's already come out of retirement. But, hey, so did Gronk. Different positions, different kind of guys. But I see him kind of sticking around maybe two, three more years. It depends, you know, what the Chiefs do with him. All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have tonight. I just want to thank my amazing panel as they always bring the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we really hope you enjoyed the show and we hope you're enjoying the NFL show. So please find us on social media. We're available on all platforms and, uh, you know, come around, uh, like, comment, send us some feedback. We really do appreciate it. Um, And please download the podcast. Uh, We really do appreciate your support. And help us promote the sports network. So speak to friends, speak to family members. Uh, We really do appreciate uh, you uh, listening. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. Team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.